This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. Hi, it's Kate. We're going to take a short break from new episodes of The New Way We Work for the next month or so, but we'll be back with new episodes this February, where we're going to talk about personality assessments at work, unions, retirement, and so much more. But to hold you over in the meantime, here's a panel from Fast Company's Innovation Festival this past fall called Working 9 to 5, Workplaces and Workspaces in the Zoom Era, hosted by staff editor and regular contributor to The New Way We Work, Julia Hurst. Enjoy! Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Julia Herbst, and I'm a senior staff editor for the Work Life section here at Fast Company. I'm so excited for this panel. Um, We're currently a year and a half into the pandemic, and I think one thing we've learned is that there's no one-size-fits-all solution when it comes to creating thriving, productive teams. Um, Many leaders are grappling with how and if they should even bring their teams back into a physical office at all. So we've decided to use this panel as an opportunity to explore that question, to have a really frank conversation with four wonderful leaders who are going to share their insights into this period and sort of the challenges and opportunities for remote, in-person, and hybrid work. Um, So I'm really excited about that. Today, we are joined by Lindsay Kaplan, co-founder of Chief, which is a private network for C-suite women. Melanie Goldie, COO and CFO of fertility tech company Tomorrow. Adam D'Angelo, who's the founder and CEO of question and answer site Quora. And Hayden Brown, who is the president and CEO of freelancing platform Upwork. So I'm so happy to have all of you here today. I think the best way to start this is to go around. If you could just share, briefly describe kind of what your current team's working situation is, And when you came to that decision and kind of what you've learned since, since obviously this isn't day one of the pandemic, we're a year and a half in now. So I don't know, Melanie, do you want to kick things off? Sure. Thank you, Julia, so much for having me and our uh, other panelists. It's nice to see you all. Um, So uh, I know I'm at an interesting company that is in healthcare business. And just by nature of that, there is some, you know, face-to-face interaction that has to happen with our customers who are fertility clinics. Um, We have a integrated software and hardware platform that actually goes into the fertility clinics. Um, And so when COVID hit, um, it was interesting in that we had to, we knew right away it had to be some hybrid approach because there was still a decent percentage of our population that had to continue to work with our fertility clinics so that the care to those patients wasn't disrupted. Um, And so we very quickly had to sort of navigate that. And I think um, what we've learned over time, which I'm excited to talk about today, is just how what we thought back in March 2020, how that's evolved over time. Um, And currently, just to give you a snapshot of how our team has grown, we had about 25% of people going into the office back then. Today, over half of our team is coming back. um, And we're looking to uh, increase that number as we move into the fall. That's great. Lindsay, do you want to jump in here and explain how you're doing things? Sure. So Chief, started very much in person. We are an executive network. And so, so much of the services, the experience we offered took place in New York City, where we started. 
And the second the pandemic hit, we transitioned overnight to a fully virtual experience. Uh, our members dispersed, many of them left New York, um, and we continued to grow. So now Chief has a digital presence in uh, cities across America, and our team wanted to travel and do their own thing as well. And so we've been um, really thoughtful and mindful about people wanting to do what suits them best and work on their own time right now. So, so many of chief employees are uh, caregivers, parents, um, people who don't want to be living in New York if they don't have to pay that rent anymore, people who felt safer leaving the cities. And so we've implemented a work from anywhere policy we understand that there are certainly people who want to come back to the office, uh, particularly younger people who want to be there for friends, for camaraderie. But we think it's really important that people can be adults and pick where they want to be and what serves them best. And so when we left, we were really lucky that we hadn't actually committed to uh, office space at that point. So we are now looking for office space in New York City to accommodate our team members who do want to come back. And we're really flexible if they want to come back two days a week, if they want to be there full time. And we're really exploring what that office setup looks like, knowing that more than half of our team has dispersed and wants to work from home. So we've recently done a work from home stipend, want to make sure that there is equity and that there is a really good and fair balance between people who are together in those meeting rooms and people who are Zooming in. So Adam, I know you went remote first way back in the spring or summer of 2020, right? You were really early on that side of things. Yep. Yeah. So uh, it's actually kind of interesting history for the company. We we had always been a, a heavily in-person company. So we had our entire product development in a single office in in Mountain View, California. And and I think when we started the company in, in 2009, that was really the right decision. Um, it was it was easy to hire people, the best people from all over the world, and and bring them to Mountain View. the The visa system was accommodating, and uh, the housing uh, situation wasn't so bad in the Bay Area back then. Transportation wasn't so bad, and that worked well for us for a while. But over the years, the situation kind of got it got worse and worse. The it got harder to get people visas. It got much more expensive to live in the Bay Area. People had to live further away from the office. People were spending long amounts of time commuting to the office. And we just were feeling more and more constrained by that. Um, and then the, the pandemic hit and um, it, it was very interesting to see how, uh, how effective people were able to continue being. I think this was a little bit different from what I heard from other friends of mine who are CEOs of other companies. Um, you know, our, our mission is to share and grow the world's knowledge. And so we've always thought a lot about how we share knowledge internally at Quora and so we've always had a lot of like written documentation for things and, and a culture that kind of emphasizes clarity and, and uh, uh, consistency and accuracy in, in how we communicate. And so I think remote work suited us a little bit better than, than it suited a, a typical company. And uh, I made the decision after consulting a lot of different employees and, and the whole executive team to, to orient the company as remote first. Um, and so the, what that means is people can work from anywhere. Uh, we do have a, for, for people in product development, we have a set of coordination hours. So that's from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific time. You can work from anywhere in the world as long as you're available on those hours. So in practice, that means we mostly have people in North and South America, but we're starting to now hire people in, there's a set of people in Western Europe and uh, even in Africa who are, are able to join on those hours. And, and today we've 
we were able to reopen the, the Mountain View office just for anyone who happens to, to want to go back to it. And we have about 20 out of uh, over 200 people in the company. So, so under 10% of the, the company has opted to, to go back to the office. Hayden, I'd love to get your insight both on what you're seeing for your team. I know your team is remote, but then also for uh, the freelancers who you're talking to and sort of how they fit into this conversation, because that's uh, definitely an important piece of this. Yeah, thanks, Julia. Well, I love following you, Adam, because I think, you know, our platform was founded to solve a lot of the challenges that you mentioned we're recently experiencing around us bringing work to workers everywhere, because, you know, we know everyone can't relocate to Mountain View, California to do incredible work. And so our platform is all about bringing work to people everywhere and uh, specifically making sure they don't have to commute. They don't have to um, do all the things that can really keep people out of the workforce. So um, our company is three quarters freelance in terms of our own workforce. And that's meant for us being a very hybrid remote uh, and onsite team since our founding. Uh, We went remote first uh, kind of fully during the pandemic and are going to stay that way because we've seen like your company, Adam, so many things for knowledge workers who can, you know, don't have to be on site like yours, Melanie, um, you know, it works, it works as well or better than uh, what we've seen in the past. So I think for us and for our freelancers, both working for us and um, uh, working on the platform generally for our clients, the conversation has really been, why are we still talking about where the work is happening? Because uh, we've kind of moved past that and seen remote work can open up who uh, can be part of the workforce. And that is really the unlock that we see for our business and for our clients tapping into talent that like you were experiencing, Adam, you know, they weren't even thinking about before when they were limiting themselves to these on-site workers who, you know, were a very limited population. I think that that is really the eye-opening thing that's exciting about the moment we're in right now and really is this change opportunity for us to really transform who and how we're working with and really open up the doors of our companies to different workers who bring in so much more talent and expertise that really we all need and companies are so thirsty for. So I think that's um, really where the conversation can go next. We can kind of move past this obsession with where the work is happening and really focus on who does this now enable us to access to solve, you know, these really hard problems that we're all trying to solve in our businesses. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that a lot of you touched upon is the flexibility piece of this, right? Um, And, you know, for all of the challenges that the pandemic introduced, there was also a period for many employees and many companies of having a little bit more control, right? A little bit more work-life integration, the good and the bad perhaps of that. Um, So I'm curious what you're hearing from your employees about that flexibility. And, you know, I know Adam alluded to the idea of having kind of core working hours where everybody's online, but how are you sort of uh, allowing your team to have that flexibility, but then also, you know, come together when it's really important that everybody is doing kind of unified group work or available in, in that way. I don't know who wants to chime in on that. I'm happy to jump in on that one. Yeah. Um, you know, we definitely follow many of the practices around having some amount of collaboration time. You know, we have a more narrow window for us. It's more like, you know, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. for some teams specific time which lets us have even more geographic dispersion. We have 84 countries, I think, represented in our workforce of about 2,000 people today. Um, and so those types of things, I think, are really important. But one thing that's, I think, helpful to realize is, you know, we've all gone through, a lot of companies that are new to remote work have gone through it only during this pandemic context. And so, you know, the limitations around that are very unique to the pandemic. And what we've seen as a company that was doing a lot of remote work before this is, Things like the in-person gatherings are so important, but they don't need to be all the time. And they can be, for example, in our development teams, we usually had a once a year cadence where an agile team that had people maybe in Ukraine and South America and the US 
would get together once a year for a two-week sprint together, maybe um, doing social activities in the evenings, you know, uh, hiking in the afternoons, you know, collaborating around a development project during the day. But that bonding would actually carry them through for like a full 12 months. And that was enough. They didn't need to be, you know, doing all of the creative work, you know, together face-to-face around the whiteboard, which I think is a really outdated idea of how people actually are creative today. So I think doing those social activities to build those bonds on an occasional basis and then supplementing it with the cultural practices, which really are around what I think you mentioned, Adam, clarity of communication, enabling asynchronous work through documented practices, for example, and a lot of um, Google Docs and things like that versus expecting people to be online together all, all the time. Those things, I think, have really unlocked for our teams the ability to flex schedules around lifestyle things that people need to accommodate and then do work kind of on their own schedule um, as they can. Definitely. The team building and kind of team culture piece of this, I think, is really important for a lot of leaders, understandably. And I'm curious, especially, Melanie, for you and Lindsay, I know you're both growing teams right now and hiring a lot. I'm curious sort of how it's possible to introduce people to work culture and sort of what team values are when you're hiring people remotely, when you maybe never met them in person before, and sort of what what solutions are you both finding for that? Yeah. Um, so pre-pandemic, we were about 40 people and today we're, um, about 120, uh, all in, and we've done a ton of hiring during the pandemic. We're very fortunate to have, um, always had sort of a hybrid model, even pre-pandemic, but, you know, we're very, we feel very lucky that we've been able to pick up some really awesome talent, um, during the last 18 months and uh, many of, uh, whom we haven't met in person. Um, right. And the default, you know, even though we're hybrid and we do have a section of our team that does need to be in clinic or physically working on our product, um, a lot of folks just want to come back and some people don't need to come back. Right. And they're doing their work wherever they can. And, and so our default mode has always been, look, if you can do your job wherever and, you know, you're communicating with the team, you're being a good team player, you're producing great results, like it doesn't matter, right? So I think, again, to some of your points earlier, Adam Hayden, um, it's about the quality, not the FaceTime or where you are. But it's been really interesting because um, as we've recruited, uh, we've learned from these individuals what really matters and not just post-pandemic, but the future of work and what they're looking for. And, you know, humans, I think, by nature are social animals. Um, And so there has to be some level of, you know, whether it's the two-week sprint where you're together, um, our leadership team, we have a few new senior leaders, so we're actually going away for a week. Um, But that's going to last us for a while, right? And there's going to be some really meaningful bonds there. We're doing our strat planning um, and bringing some of those remote people that are on the leadership team now together. Um, And that will be such a strong foundation for the trust and the communication and the collaboration going forward. For the larger group at hand, um, we've learned through the recruiting process as well what people really want. And it's, you know, it's a little bit of everything, right? Flexibility, engagement, autonomy, asynchronous working, um, leveraging as many technology tools as we can. So some of our brainstorming is done on Mural, um, which is sort of a whiteboard, but digitized. Um, And just, you know, taking advantage of those things. And then when it does make sense to connect in person, sort of where it counts, we bring people in. Um, So I think that's, 
you know, what we've been doing. And we're learning from everybody else who's also going through this. Um, And then the other thing that we've recently done, which is just kicked off, but I think is really going to be impactful. um, We have opened up to our team. It's an opt-in. We're calling it Culture Club right now, maybe rebranded. But um, it's essentially a representative of of the rest of the group. And they come together and they think about these topics. We've we've given them this remit of how do we make sure that we're building a um, inclusive and engaging environment, right? If we have a happy hour in the New York office for the people who are here, how do we make remote employees feel like they're included in something as simple as that? Um, or other programming and, and making sure that we make, you know, everyone feel like they can be their best selves when, when they come to work, wherever they might be. Um, so I'm really excited about that. It's not the executives making the decisions. It's really is um, a group within the team uh, that's coming together who are passionate about this um, and really suggesting um, and looking at innovative ways of, of doing things. Lindsay, what about for you? What are you experiencing in terms of the hiring and sort of team growth that you're seeing now? Yeah, well, I've always found that culture is very much a cop-out for a lot of leaders, right? Like there's, it's easy to throw money at culture. If you want to have parties, if you want to supply beer and wine, it's it's easy to, pre- to present what feels to many young startup employees as great culture. That's not culture. So great culture means investing in onboarding. It means really uh, not just doing the brand value work and and getting a deck together, but actually living those values and ensuring that your team understands them, that they're hired through that lens, that they operate through that lens, and they're hiring other people through that lens. So I think so much of this, uh, this remote work falls to a place of, we can't be lazy about culture anymore. We have to be creative. We have to be thoughtful. We need to be bringing people in. I love what Melanie said about culture kind of coming from the people. You know, we had a similar growth rate at our company. We've gone from about 40 people pre-pandemic to over 120. Um, Most of the team has never met, and yet we have really strong bonds. And I hope by now, a year and a half into whatever this post-pandemic life is, we've all forged incredible connections with people over Zoom that we haven't met. I've made some amazing friends that I haven't actually met in person. And I think it's really possible. I love the idea of bringing people together. Um, And again, I think that to Hayden's point, you can bring people together and that can last, right? We don't need to constantly have meetings. What another thing I love is this reassessment of, do we actually need this meeting? And this was a great question that leaders have asked pre-pandemic, which was like, could this have been an email? So much of people working in different time zones, so much of this now falls to really great async communication and understanding that memorializing uh, documentation, that is actually so much more powerful as a communication tool that you don't actually have to all be together in the room to have great work, to be creative and to disseminate amazing ideas. So I think a lot of the learnings here is that we as leaders need to step up and be more creative um, and think about what our team needs through an intersectional lens that uh, doesn't leave anybody out um, and is really as inclusive as possible. Definitely. Adam, that that connects kind of nicely to my next question, which is about sort of the technology um, piece of this. Um, Do you think sort of the natural progression uh, for knowledge workers is going to be moving to more asynchronous communication? Um, Is it all about getting everything down on Google Docs and and sort of are we going to eventually find that teams are working pretty much, you know, whenever they want separately um, and there won't be as much need for in-person or even, you know, us all on a Zoom call together? Yeah, so, you know, I I think there's, 
uh, there's certain things that are going to be better on Zoom no matter what. But uh, I, I think what you can do through these asynchronous tools is take pressure off the amount of things that need to be on, on Zoom. So one effort we've been going through since we, um, since we went remote first is uh, we call it the handbook. So it's basically a centralized documentation system. We, we use Quip, the, the document service, but you could, you could build this on, on almost any document um, collaboration product. You know, I, I think it's one thing to have a lot of documentation, but what really matters is that the documentation is kept up to date and that it's it's easy to navigate and and there's clear ownership and and so um, so we've gotten a lot of our documentation into this centralized system with with clear people who are responsible and processes to make sure it gets updated and we have things you know uh, we were just talking about onboarding um, we we recently onboarded to two new executives and. Uh, both of them told me independently that they they really appreciated some of the culture documents in our in our handbook. Um, we have things spelled out really to uh, really deep uh, a lot of detail. So things like we have a norm that meetings start on time at Cora, and so that you know if if there's a meeting scheduled for noon, then the meeting actually starts at noon and. You know, some other companies have a norm that maybe a meeting starts five minutes after it's actually scheduled or, or whenever everyone gets there. And there can be different expectations, but what really matters is that everyone is, is on the same page about these things. And so, um, so we've kind of gone through a lot of these things that I think in an in-person environment, you might, have, uh, you might have just pick up the way things are done through you know, people giving you looks if you do something a little bit off or, you know, you just, you, you absorb this in, in these kind of indirect ways. But um, I, I think having this stuff like get, making it really explicit and, and really clear, it's actually, it's actually a lot better than people having to learn these things through, through subtle uh, forms of, of feedback. And that's, I think it actually makes it a lot better for people who are coming from diverse backgrounds or, or just different, different cultures to, to be able to just read this and say, and understand this is how things are, are done here and not have to go through this, you know, multi-month process of, of figuring out how things happen. So, um, yeah, so, so, so anyway, I think this, this handbook effort has been, it's been really great for us and it's not gonna, I don't think there's ever going to be a, a time when, when there's no, uh, synchronous communication. I think there's just certain things you need to, you need one person to be able to have an idea and someone else, you know, says, oh, well, what about this other thing? And then someone else can say like, oh, well, what about this other thing? And you can kind of, push each other and, and push the limits of, of what's possible with technology. Um, and, and so for, for certain kinds of collaboration, there's always going to be an, a need for, for synchronous communication and collaboration. But the question is just how much of your day do you need to, to spend on that? And how many people from around the world can you enable to participate if you, if you take pressure off it with, with these more asynchronous communication methods? This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Definitely. Are any of the rest of you finding that too, that the need to be kind of more explicit and really detail, like this is what our company culture is like, or this is the norm for how we do things. And um, I, I liked your point, Adam, about sort of the, the potential for helping with inclusion work, right? Like to be explicit about, you know, this is how we do things here. Is that something that anyone else is finding too? I think there's a lot to be said for remote work and the, these types of practices to be democratizing on a lot of levels. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we definitely have, have seen that for a number of years and that 
the more you're also opening up your workforce to be have multinational backgrounds and people from so many different places, you absolutely do have to be explicit because it's, you know, the business norms, even in one geography are going to be different in other geographies. And so absolutely. I think um, those practices are really key. And frankly, they just accelerate the onboarding of people because the more explicitly you're documenting these things, then instead of a six month onboarding, you go to like six days or six hours. And and how awesome is that? You know, you, you just want that for your team members, whether they're full-time freelancers, it doesn't matter. You want to be able to get people going as quickly as possible. And I just add to that, that I think this on this diversity theme, remote work just has so much in terms of giving us um, ways to find pools of talent and people who previously were not part of maybe the traditional nine to five workforce or the traditional, um, you know, local workforce in like the top 10 cities where so many of these jobs were concentrated in the past. And I think that is a key piece of the conversation. You know, we all went through 2020 and had companies waking up to the fact that diversity had to be a much bigger focus and priority for all of us. And remote work is also something that so many companies learned how to do in the past year. And so these two things, I think, actually beautifully dovetail because this this can be remote work can be a, a tool for tapping into talent that hasn't been part of maybe the traditional um, local workforce or, you know, was constrained by the limits that were put on these practices. And I know for my own company, as we shifted even more aggressively into our um, distributed work practices, and I've heard this from so many other CEOs I've spoken to, they have seen, you know, women and minorities participating at much higher rates in Zoom formats and and in asynchronous conversations where they didn't feel maybe as intimidated or they felt like it was more the norms were really explicit in terms of, you know, what was expected. And it wasn't about, you know, the body language or the dominance of, you know, the larger person in the room or whatever else. So I do think the, you know, equality of everyone's Zoom square being the same size and people feeling they have access uh, to reaching out to the senior executive and starting a conversation or, or other things that remote work does enable through these tools that are so democratic by nature. Um, for companies that want to take advantage of that and really build those pathways, there is so much to unlock. And I think that we definitely see that with our own company as we really you know, try to make that um, something that people can take advantage of and that we want to take advantage of. And with other companies, I think they're going to be missing out. You know, They're going to be missing out on the best talent, the diverse talent, all of these um, amazing people if they're not leaning into these incredible opportunities. That segues kind of nicely to another um, topic that I I think will be relevant um, to a lot of teams that are doing hybrid work, which is sort of the question of how you can level the playing field for both in-person and remote workers. Like, you know, obviously it's one thing if you have everybody coming into the office two days a week and that's rotating, but then there are also hybrid teams where sometimes there are people who are never coming into the office and other people who are there every day. And so I'm curious, um, what are sort of the ways in which we can avoid the the challenge of, you know, creating two classes of employees in a hybrid setting. I know, for instance, Adam, you're keeping the Mountain View office, right? But the leadership team is not going to be working out of there. Is that sort of in response to that? Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I made an explicit commitment to not go into that office uh, more than once a month. And I've actually never been into it since the since the pandemic started. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really important. We have other other rules also. Like if you're in that office and you're going to be on a Zoom call, you need to all go into your own uh, room and and each person call in. We even have a, a policy we recently set up where anyone, uh, no matter where you are, will give you a budget to rent a local office space just for yourself for just you. And even if you're in the Bay Area, if you're if you're in Mountain View and you don't want to work out of that office for whatever reason, um, just wherever you are. 
you can go and rent an office if that makes you more productive. Yeah, there's a whole set of kind of policies we just have instituted to, to try to keep everyone on, on level ground. Definitely. We've talked a lot about, you know, the benefits of remote work, hybrid work. I'm curious, you know, Lindsay, I know that your team is remote, but um, I'm curious what you're hearing from members of Chief in terms of their interest level um, for in-person things or, you know, somehow getting close or forming connections with people in their same region, same metro area. How are you sort of dealing with that piece of this? Yeah, it's interesting. We just spoke to our members. We have over 7,000 members of Chief who are uh, VP through C-suite. And it was split. About half of members uh, felt that location was really important, that they want to get out and and figure out how to make those in-person connections. And half of members said it really didn't matter. Not that they didn't want to make connections, but that they really cared more about the strength of the connection and the person more than the ability to go out and get a coffee with someone. And so I think it is evenly split. But at the end of the day, what we do know is important is that people need connections, that as business people and all of our employees making these connections, both the hard connections in person, the soft connections, it's really important for people's careers. It's important for young people as they're learning dynamics in the office and they're learning um, from, from their senior leaders. It's also important for all of us as we're going out and we're trying to uh, make deals raise money, all of the things that we used to rely on as we would take coffees, as we would go out for uh, conferences, meetings. And so I think it's really torn. What we do know is that technology has the ability to bring people together. And so at Chief, we're working on tools that can bring people together in person or bring them together through Zoom. We want to make sure that people can self-organize and can make those connections that make the most sense for them and what they're looking to achieve. You know, this period, a lot of people have referred to as the great resignation, right? Clearly, there are a lot of folks who are kind of thinking about what's next. They're thinking about career de- development, opportunities, networking, all of those pieces. I'm, I'm curious, Hayden, if we can kind of bring in some of your freelance expertise on this um, and sort of how do you see the fact that a lot of people are kind of thinking about what's next and, you know, what, what I want to be doing fitting into this period where a lot of companies are also saying we're going to be remote for the time being. Yeah, I mean, this is an amazing moment of time where I think there's just so much upheaval in the labor market. And this is building on some trends that were already moving in in quite an interesting direction. And we saw 20 million Americans jump into freelancing last year. And people really are looking for freedom, flexibility, control over when, where, and with whom they're working. I think that is something that just was exacerbated this, you know, in the past 12 months with the pandemic. And we've seen so many articles around the YOLO economy and the creator economy and people just looking for these outlets. You know, 60% of folks that started freelancing last year said there was no amount of money that they could be paid to go back into a traditional job. And as we did a survey just in the last few months, as the great resignation has been going, we heard that more than 10 million Americans now are thinking about moving out of full-time work right now and into freelancing, you know, on top of that increase we saw last year. So I think we're seeing really a tectonic shift as people are reevaluating their options, thinking about how they can go out on their own. And for companies, I think that means, you know, they're looking at the full-time employee set and the traditional sourcing channels that they've had and wondering like, wait a minute, the talent I'm looking for just isn't there anymore. You know, half of Generation Z college grads are actually freelancing today as well. So Companies are now struggling to find the talent, you know, through the traditional channels that they've been looking at. Talent is moving to this much more independent model, kind of going out as entrepreneurs on their own. And so I think the next few years in the talent landscape, 
is looking just very different from what we've seen, you know, in the past decade. And so it's an exciting time. Um, I think it's an exciting time to be a freelancer and to be actually just, a, you know, a professional individual because this is really a talent market. Um, and this is a time when people's skills, I think, are being sought after and rewarded, you know, more than ever before. So this is a quite a moment. Yeah. I mean, Melanie, what are you hearing as you're growing the team about people's priorities in this moment? You know, what are the things that are most important to them as they're looking to find, you know, a team where they feel like they fit in with the workplace culture and, and sort of how are you capitalizing on that? Yeah, and I think it's a lot of the themes that we've mentioned thus far. Um, you know, the flexibility is the, always the first one that comes up, and that can have different meanings to different people. But understanding that they, you know, can work, in, you know, for a company and with colleagues that can um, want the same level of flexibility and respect the flexibility that's coming from their colleagues is always first and foremost. Diversity in the workplace has come up um, a lot. So not just racial and ethnic diversity, but generational diversity, backgrounds and different, you know, co people coming from different um, industries kind of coming together. I think there's learning opportunities there that are very exciting for people. Um, autonomy, uh, is a big one. Um, people want to feel engaged, right? And because I think that, I think that generally speaking, um, people are starting to realize more and more that they want to work and spend the time that they're at work or doing work in something that they actually really care about. So whether that's moving to a mission-oriented company or just a product or service that they can really get behind, um, that's really been important. Um, and then just a real connection with the team, um, whether that's and that's regardless of physical, you know. Uh, location. But, you know, can I see myself spending the eight to 10 hours or whatever it is a day um, on Zoom or with these these people and really caring about those relationships? And then I think with the backdrop of COVID, you know, so many of us, myself included, um, have sort of rediscovered the importance of what a meaningful job is to me. Um, and so that there's a personal element there. But I think at the heart of it, it really is supportive colleagues, flexible companies and employers, flexible teams, um, and just being open-minded that, you know, we're never going to go back to sort of the way things were before, um, and everything's going to be different, and, and some of this can actually be really great change. So we have a lot to learn. I mean, we, we don't have everything down or perfect yet, of course, but, um, you know, those are some of the big themes that are coming, and, and we're really trying hard to always be really thoughtful about how that permeates into the day-to-day. -day. So yes, the simple things like, you know, can we have some fun things programmed in the office, but also to the bigger things. That culture club that I mentioned earlier, we want half of it to be you know, remote employees um, and we want diversity on that group. And, and there's um, all these perspectives that are so valuable and just giving the people, um, our team members, the opportunity to have a really impactful way of, of really changing how we do things. Definitely. Adam, I'd love to get your insight here on this and sort of how you're thinking about mentorship and career development You know, for employees who have been part of the team for a while, pre-pandemic even, you know, how are you thinking about sort of uh, what their evolution can be and, and chances for them to network with, you know, maybe more senior members, that sort of thing? Yeah, so we have a whole bunch of different systems that kind of work together. I guess first I'd say everyone has a manager and, you know, hopefully we can have great managers in the company who um, employees can learn from. Um, uh, usually people have skip level meetings with their, their manager's manager periodically. Um, so I meet with uh, most of the reports of my reports on a maybe monthly cadence or quarterly cadence. We've adopted this system called Donut, um, which will basically pair random people in the company up for, for uh, one-off meetings, and, um, and that's great. There's all kinds of Slack channels where people are discussing things um, within the company. 
we've kind of tried to make it a norm that you can easily jump on a Zoom meeting um, with with anyone. There's a it, it sounds small, but there's a there's a Zoom plugin for Slack that makes it so you can just type slash Zoom and instantly jump into a meeting and just reducing the friction down to to being you know a lot lower than having to like copy and paste a, a meeting ID out of out of the Zoom app. It, it, it I think it changes how often people end up interacting face to face. Um, you know, I, I hope that over time we can have more in-person meetings once the, the virus is, is more contained. Um, we were luckily able to have a, an executive team offsite um, recently, and, and that was great for just um, helping everyone um, bond and, and get, to, get to really like increase the amount of trust uh, that, that they all have with, with each other. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a whole bunch of different things that, that add up. Um, I wouldn't say that we're in a perfect state yet. I think we also weren't perfect pre-pandemic, and so we're always looking at things and, and how we can do better. Um, but I, you know, I, I've seen people really grow through through mentorship and just through their their experience in the company so far. And I just, yeah, I, I hope we can we can continue to, to do more of it. So we're about out of time. Before we run out of time, I'd like to do just a quick around the horn and get your thoughts. You know, obviously the pandemic is still ongoing, but imagining a future in which we can kind of make more intentional choices that are not public health based about um, how we're organizing our working lives. What are your hopes and, and what lessons have you sort of learned from this period? Hayden, do you want to take that first? Um, our workplace is so diverse with the freelance and full-time talent that we bring together. And so I think my hope is that more companies look like us in the future and mm -hmm. they can really learn from the types of practices that we have. And break down their own stereotypes around what freelance talent can do. Cause I think that's one of the things that holds so many companies back from tapping into the amazing, amazing professional freelance talent that's out there. Awesome. Great. Lindsay. Um, I think a big lesson from the last two years has just been leading with empathy. There has been a great gaslighting of parents, of caregivers, um, that things can go back to normal. And now everything's just going to be remote for some people. I reject that and I feel comfortable asking others to reject that. We are dealing with parents who are sending children to school with fear and anxiety. We have um, many people who have lost loved ones during this pandemic, caregivers, long COVID. Um, and so my want is that we are developing a cohort of leaders that are leading with empathy, that are thinking about their people first, um, and that can create a ripple effect in how we as executives show up for our teams, our people. Awesome. Adam, last thoughts? Yeah, I think the one other thing I, I would just add is I, I think remote work and, and the pandemic, they put a lot of pressure on, on us as leaders. Uh, and often it's companies that um, could have been doing something better anyway that are getting in, in trouble. And, um, and so for us, one, one learning has really been leaning into our mission. So our mission is to share and grow the world's knowledge. And that's often one of the, the main reasons people choose to, to join the company is that they wanna, they wanna work on that mission. And um, remote work or the pandemic, it'll, you know, it'll make different things harder, but when they see the, the meaning in their work and, and they can connect what they're doing to, to the impact that it's gonna have on the world, that ends up making things a lot better. It makes collaboration better. It you know, makes people able to assume better intentions of, of their coworkers and it just makes everyone more motivated. So. I think just kind of like leaning into these standard leadership things that you, you probably always should have been doing. Um, it, it's running a remote company. It, it just kind of puts more pressure on you to, to do those things well. Definitely. And finally, Melanie, your last, last thoughts to wrap this up. 
Yeah, I think I agree with with everyone. Um, and uh, I would add that I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, people want to feel like they're in control, that they're understood, that they're appreciated, and that they can be their best selves. Um, and sort of having that sort of people first mentality uh, when we make decisions about things and how we want to grow this business, I think is really important. And as a leadership team, I, I want um, my colleagues in the leadership team to really um, understand their responsibility is to see others around us rise and to help support them to rise. And that means transparency and communication um, and, and everything that we've talked about during this session, but really just, again, putting that at the forefront of our minds when we make a decision um, or do something with our teams, et cetera. I just think that simply having the knowledge that um, each other that we're available and willing to help, it will make a profound difference. Um, and always having that sort of hospitality and service ethos in, in what we do. And I would say that for our customers as well. Um, you know, that's how we should engage with them. And I think over time, it'll increase satisfaction and engagement and, and certainly loyalty. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you all so much for your insights and for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Julia.